0: It's New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead, NHTalkRadio.com. Be sure to check that out. Get all the backups of our show as well as all the rest of the shows here at the station. Excited to be joined this week by reporter Ethan DeWitt of the New Hampshire Bulletin. Welcome back. Glad to be back. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from them. I now get to uh, try and guilt the new person to join the show every uh, (laughs) month and a half or so. So welcome to, uh, what's, what's her name, Hadley, what's her last name again?
1: Hadley Barndoller.
0: Yeah, so excited that uh, you now have a full staff again and uh, get more articles. I'm sure you and Anne-Marie are quite pleased to have, have another person again.
1: Definitely, and Hadley is new to the Bulletin, but definitely not new to New Hampshire. She's won a, a tons of awards over her career working for the Portsmouth Herald uh, and other papers here. So we're just really excited to have her on our team.
0: Awesome. All right. Let's kick off with your uh, with an article that's going to be released uh, today when this is airing on a new privacy bill that's going to be uh, discussed over at the State statehouse. Uh, pri- there was a new privacy amendment that uh, Professor Bashir of UNH Franklin Pierce actually uh, uh, authored that's now in the New Hampshire Constitution, which kind of, I think, kicked off a lot of debate with actually utilizing that amendment to create uh, further laws.
1: Sure. So one thing that, you know, you may know and you just you just referenced this, the state did pass a constitutional amendment guaranteeing a right to privacy, but that's guaranteeing a right to privacy against the government. What that constitutional amendment doesn't cover is what companies can do with your data. And that's kind of the new territory that we're seeing legislation head into. There is at this point, no law in New Hampshire and actually in most states, nor is there a federal law that regulates how companies handle your data and regulates what they must do if you request to uh, access your data, whatever data they might have on you, delete that data um, or edit that data. And there have been attempts in recent years, bipartisan attempts, to try to do something about this on the federal level in Congress. Um, And there has been... uh, some difficulty getting a consensus bill, even though there seems to be a lot of bipartisan will here. So what that has left is states trying to figure it out on their own. And this year we have a, um, by New Hampshire standards, quite sweeping bill. It's an 18 page bill um, led by uh, Senate Majority Leader Sharon Carson. She's a Republican, but it has plenty of Democrats and Republicans in both the House and the Senate behind it. And what this would do is it would give consumers in New Hampshire the right to control their own personal data. So it would give a consumer in New Hampshire the right to confirm with any company of a certain size, whether their data is being collected and stored. It would allow them to obtain a copy of that data from the business, correct any inaccuracies in the data. They could request that that data, whatever it is, be deleted. And they could also opt out of any sale of their data for advertising purchases. All those things i just mentioned are not are not upheld in law right now. They may be policies that certain um, companies offer anyways, but there's no guarantee that you as a consumer can um, can request how your data is being used. And of course, this is serious because as more and more companies get data, there are more and more security breaches. And in fact, just in tw- in 2021, T-Mobile had a major security breach this was in the fall of 2021, and 116,000 Granite Staters were contacted by T-Mobile to say that there had been a breach and their personal information, including their name, date of birth, social security number, driver's license information, could be at risk. So this is something that happens a lot. And T-Mobile is not an outlier. This has happened thousands of times. You can look it up on the New Hampshire Attorney General's office. So this is an an issue um, that there, frankly, has not been a lot of traction legislatively and this year might be a change
0: yeah it's super fascinating to hear that it's actually really in depth instead of this just a surface level where it's going to attack a couple things with regards to this um i've i've had many discussions with with buzz sure about about this over if you check out the legal impact podcast which i produce for the law school separate from anything i do here at wkxl but so if you want to get some of the law it's super interesting to dive into and and anyone that wants to just write off the fact oh we're just new hampshire what the heck are we doing (laughs) something like this it can have far-reaching consequences if if, um consequence sounds negative the positive version of that space in the word <laughs> the, mm-hmm. because if this ends up in courts where if any of these tech companies decide to fight it the courts the federal it might go up to the federal courts and they say no this makes sense and just from case law could have mm-hmm. tremendous circumstances yes
1: and- Oh, go ahead. And Well, here's another uh, reason that it matters, that there's a state-by-state approach. So right now, there's a handful. I believe there's only around five states that have any kind of privacy protection for data. But crucially, one of those states is California. They have the most aggressive law in place right now. Virginia has a law. Colorado has a law. Connecticut has a law. There may be some others. A lot of states are looking at this but what happens when a few states pass a law is any multi any national company that that operates across the state across the country has to essentially comply with that law for any citizen of California no other citizen and but any citizen of California what that in practice means is most companies are not going to tailor their experience to a one state versus another state, they're going to likely change their data privacy laws in general. So you see bigger companies allowing you to opt out because one state passed this law. And that's why the cumulative effect of more states passing these laws is important. Now, privacy advocates say this is not the end solution. The end solution is for Congress to get involved because what's happening now is every state is passing the slightly different law. And that's going to make a lot of uncertainty with companies. They're likely going to default, if they're a national company, to the California law, which, as I said, is the most aggressive. New Hampshire is not as aggressive as California. But the bigger fight that advocates say is to get this done in Congress. For now, there looks like a, a surprisingly good chance here in New Hampshire to get it done, at least on the state level. And that would affect businesses that may not be operating in California or Colorado. They It would affect you know, New Hampshire specific businesses, for instance. Uh, so it is a big deal. Uh, and it, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this this law gets developed and kind of what input
0: um it gets politically How how is this being put together with the parties because the, to me this seems like an issue kind of similar to the bail reform laws where kind of the libertarian left and libertarian right tend to have fairly comparable standards for what they think of this issue um i, I mean are we talking democrats and republicans uh, working together here
1: yeah. So, like I said, you have Senator Sharon Carson. She's the Senate majority leader. She is spearheading, spearheading this. You also have Senator Dan Innes. He's also Republican. But you also have Senator Donna Susi. She's the third listed sponsor on the bill, and she is the um, Senate Democratic leader, the minority leader. You have Senator Cindy Rosenwald, who's on it. Senator Shanley. Senator Richardi. These are Republicans and Democrats, diehard Republicans and Democrats. Um, Representative Jess Edwards, who is not exactly always, uh, you know, on the left of any spectrum uh, is supporting this bill. Representative Dave Luno on the left is supporting this bill. I think this is the kind of issue that you, you're seeing a lot of traction that it, it touches on a lot of um, sort of uncertainty that consumers have, and that crosses uh, political the political spectrum. And what's interesting is not just on the political side, also on the business side, um, a representative from Microsoft came to New Hampshire and testified in support of this bill. Uh, last week. And he testified to say that we don't like the fact that consumers currently are so distrustful about whether their data will be the subject of a breach. And we would like there to be standards for all tech companies, including us, to follow. And while we would like a national approach, as I mentioned, we're okay with this for now, and we would support this bill. So it was interesting that you have, you know, it's it's kind of a common denominator type of idea that's gaining traction.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to a certain... It'll reach a certain point, even outside of just a matter of state by state tech companies got to do it anyways, at least if there's enough states uh, across the country that are in support of such a thing, created their own laws. It kind of makes it safer, I think, for many um, national uh, le- uh, figureheads over in Congress to maybe step away from to be to be cynical the the lobbying money that may be coming from some of these mm-hmm. tech giants uh, from around the world which because there's so many technology corporations that are centered in the United States but um, it's it, interesting you it say, say that though but.
1: Ironically, the state laws are actually hampering the national law in one specific way hmm. because California, as I mentioned, has passed a privacy, uh, a very aggressive. They actually created an entire new agency in the state of California just to enforce this privacy law. So they are really looking to go after companies. As I said, other states that have passed this have not been as aggressive. Republicans are are often pro privacy, but they are anti. Uh, regulating business too much, so it creates a bit of a tension over how exactly to craft the law. But since California is just so aggressive, one uh, one uh, side effect of that is that California representatives in Congress have reportedly been opposed to a, a federal law because they're they're worried that it would supersede their state law and not be as strong or not be the version that they want. Uh, and so they that actually uh, uh, reportedly Politico has reported that that caused this bill, which had sweeping support in the House, to not get a vote last year on the House floor because, notably, the former House Speaker of uh, the House last year was Nancy Pelosi, who is a California representative. It's not just Pelosi, it's a lot of Californians. And so, uh, ironically, the progress that's been made in some states is now um, appearing to be a roadblock uh, nationally. So for now, we don't know what's going to happen nationally. But again, the effort seems to be back on the states. It's a fascinating uh, political chessboard here.
0: It is definitely. So we'll be following that for sure. Let's move over to another national debate topic, uh, quote unquote book banning. I am uh, hesitant to call it necessarily that in some, some of these debates that we've had. But what's going on here in New Hampshire with this that you wrote about at New Hampshire Bulletin.com?
1: Sure, so New Hampshire has state obscenity laws and they uh essentially prevent certain content that is deemed to be uh objectively uh offensive um and uh, kind of related to sexual content. Um We've had these laws uh, for decades, but for decades, there's also been a carve out for a number of institutions, including libraries, government institutions and, crucially, schools. So while we have a, a, an obscene materials law, it doesn't apply to schools. There is a bill this year um, sponsored by Republican Representative Glenn Cordelli that would remove that exemption for K 12 schools. So. So higher education would still get that exemption, would still not be subject to the obscene materials law, but K-12 schools would be. And the effect of that is that schools would suddenly need to take a a hard look at the materials that they have and decide whether they um, might be liable under the obscene materials law in a way that they haven't before. Right now, if the only way that that, um, materials – That is that a school official could get in trouble under the law is if it the book had gone had been challenged and had gone through an adjudicative process. And there was a ruling that this that by a New Hampshire court that determined that that material was obscene under the purpose of the law. Um, with the if this bill were to pass, that process would no longer be necessary. And there could potentially be legal action taken against the school, even without the fact that the book had gone through that process. So it would it would force schools to be preemptive with which materials they keep and which materials they don't keep. And of course, um, what, whether something is obscene is a bit of a subjective uh, test. In fact, the legal test is based on a reasonable person test, which uh, is uh, you know inherently um, difficult to apply. And so there has been concern from school districts that this would cause them to have to censor, unnecessarily censor some books. But the responses of the bill say this is simply providing a tool for parents to bring up materials that they might find objectionable and for there to be action taken. The bill also, I should add, um, also requires all school boards in the state to in- introduce a process, a clearly laid out process by which a, a book or other material in a school would be challenged. Right now that's optional and a lot of districts have done this, but some districts haven't and this would make that mandatory.
0: It, it it's a very I equate this very much to to the abortion debate where it, it's messy no matter what way you look at it because there have I I mean on the side of the people that are looking for a little more restrictions of what's being put in the K through twelve. 12 libraries, there has been a fair bit of what many would directly call pornographic. I mean, the the basically the the um, poster child for the debate, I don't know if this book has necessarily been brought up whatsoever in New Hampshire schools, but on the national stage has been the book Genderqueer, which has some very graphic sexual content in it. I, I don't know specifically, going to make this very clear, I don't know if that's part of what's been going on here. But if if a school district is not moderating and there are concerned parents because it is a public school. They I mean, they're they're in a rough spot if they want to keep it or if they want to remove it, because if they do want to remove it and it's already there and someone finds out, it becomes a political football.
1: Yeah, I think that you're going to definitely see that those kinds of debates over certain book titles come to the for the debate um, if this bill were to pass and they already did come out um, during the hearing on the bill the, there were certain there were a lot of titles that were brought up by parents who were frustrated um and what's there's there's um interesting distinctions being made between whether a book is actively um taught as part of a, the curriculum or simply available in a school library or even another step not physically available in a school library, but available on a library app. There are library apps now that are similar to the ones that you might use if you use a New Hampshire public library that are available to kids that have thousands and thousands of titles, some of which have these titles. So on the one hand, yet there are conservatives who definitely argue that this content is explicit and should not be in in a library, and we as parents should be able to raise our voices about that. Um, The counter-argument that I heard at the hearing about this is that some of these books, um, a lot of them are relating to either people of color or LGBTQ people who are wrestling with their sexuality or wrestling with um, certain questions that they um, can't get answered to and so they were arguing that having those books as a resource as an optional resource doesn't mean that certain kids have to receive them but that the kids who need them might be able to. Um, and they and they they what they argue is that um, the current process which allows parents to opt their own child out of receiving material if you, you can opt your own child out of a certain a lesson um, if you want that involves certain material they argue that that process is best. On the other side of the equation, conservatives say no. There should be a more robust review here, and we should be able to re- remove material for all students, not just our own. So that's kind of a big philosophical difference in terms of whether the whether you should enforce things for all students or just your own kids.
0: Yeah, it's there's no happy me. I mean, another equivalent say that that's maybe a little more accurate is the whole evolution debate. Like I'm thinking back to when I was in high school. I'm 35. This was Big time during the Bush era, being brought up is what in the science classroom what what should be talked about with regards to evolution or creationism and all that, and depending on the mm-hmm. school. And my chemistry teacher said, "I'm not touching this with a ten foot pole because it's better off not to discuss it at all." Uh, but the big yeah. difference with this is uh, there there has been a lot of material that many parents uh, on both sides of the aisle and don't don't make any mistake. Like there's there's been mm-hmm. parents on both sides of the aisle concerned about some of the material Materials that have been made available. And you introduce a statewide library that's now very accessible. It, it, it's talk about a 2023 issue of um, the internet's impact on education. Like you now have the statewide library where you, like there's countless books, articles, audiobooks, m- movies, TV shows where you may not be terribly happy that your kid has access to, but it, it's hard to curate it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another argument that was made that um, you know that it's hard. It is hard to curate this. But then you know, certain parents say, well, then we should be able to remove certain titles um, if we want to. Um, others say that that would be one parent speaking for all parents when not necessarily all parents agree. Uh, you know, it's really really complicated. You brought up the evolution thing. Um, one teacher who testified on this. Um, she is a retired teacher. So this was an example from years ago. She recalled how she was teaching a book about dinosaurs and uh, in fifth grade, and she gave out a homework assignment of, um, involving dinosaurs. And one of the parents objected because the notion that dinosaurs existed millions of years ago conflicted with her religion. Um, the teacher said that she had a very amicable, friendly conversation with the parent. They they both understood each other, and essentially because New Hampshire right now. It is required by law that if you want to opt your child out of a course that you can do that and just make arrangements for an alternative lesson to be put in place that teacher did that and her point was no one suggested that nobody else get to read about dinosaurs and that's how it should work again as i said the the opposing view is that there are certain materials that should not be a student by student decision and should be a school-wide decision and that's kind of where the debate falls.
0: And yeah, regardless of where this specific bill goes, it, it's going to be a back and forth. So expect this over at least the next couple of years to be dis- be discussed. And uh, I highly suggest everyone follows New Hampshire Bulletin.com to get the latest of what's going on at the State House. Reporter Ethan DeWitt, reporter over there, thanks so much for joining me. Glad to be on. New Hampshire headlines on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ said. If you missed any of the episode, be sure to check out NHTalkRadio.com.